Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. And I thought, I wonder if, if there was just someone I could talk to about like my passions and my interests and what I like to do and what's meaningful for me and how I might be able to put something together. And then I just suddenly thought, or I could be that person. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45, and it completely turned my world upside down. I've been looking back at so much of my life, school, jobs, my relationships, all of it with this new lens, and it has been nothing short of overwhelming. I quickly discovered I was not the only woman to have this experience, and now I interview other women who, like me, discovered in adulthood they have ADHD and are finally feeling like they understand who they are and how to best lean into their strengths, both professionally and personally. I'd like to share with you this review from a listener named Carrie Granted on the Apple Podcast platform in Ireland. It's entitled, Thank You. This podcast is like therapy in itself. It really relaxes my mind and helps me to be kinder to myself. I have been referred for an assessment as I struggled postnatally and I'm really benefiting from the level of understanding and empathy in these conversations. I am a medical professional and can't believe this was never on my radar at all. Wow, thank you, Carrie Granted. This was really validating to read, and also I'm so glad these conversations have helped you to be kinder to yourself. I love that. If you are a regular listener of this podcast and you have been helped by these conversations, a lovely way to say thank you is to take a moment and leave a review, either on the Apple Podcast platform or on Audible, or you could simply stop and hit five stars. If you'd like to do it and you don't want to forget, why don't you just pause right now, go do it, and I promise we'll wait for you. Okay, here we are at episode 126, in which I interview Susan Young. Susan is a certified holistic life coach, multi-passionate artist, and the founder of Triple Moon Coaching. She specializes in midlife reinvention for women over the age of 50. Her recent ADHD diagnosis at the age of 56 was a complete shock and the missing piece of a complex puzzle. As an empty nester, a divorcee, and a domestic violence survivor who has firsthand experience with codependency, sobriety, and now ADHD, Susan knows a thing or two about starting over late in life. As a holistic coach, she believes transformation happens from the inside out, and she's a big fan of using creative right brain exercises to stimulate our nonverbal genius. Susan and I talk all about her diagnosis experience after her college-age daughter was diagnosed, and how Susan's life radically changed seemingly overnight after her diagnosis and medication. We also talk about how Susan left her 26-year career in order to help women meet their souls and their goals so they can blaze their unique path to a joyful and purposeful future. Without further ado, here is my interview with Susan. Enjoy. Hi, Susan. Hi, Katie. Hi, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to hear about your story and your journey and kind of what you are doing and working with women. 
after the age of 50. But first, let's start out with your diagnosis. You were diagnosed in August of 2022, correct? Yes. I was looking back at my notes. It was actually the end of July, but yes. Well, I feel like there's like a self-diagnosis date and then there's the official diagnosis date, right? <laughs> yes. Thank you for having me. First of all, I appreciate having me on. Oh, yeah. So the self-diagnosis was earlier in 2022. So your daughter was diagnosed first and she's in college. Is she still in college? Yeah, she's almost 21. And so what happened was early in 2022, she just came over one day and said, with a lot of emotion, um, I'm pretty sure I have ADHD, just kind of out of the blue. And I didn't have this on my radar at all for myself or for her or just, I was just like, okay. And she had a very long list, very long list of all the reasons, all the symptoms, which looking back now, I kind of get that. I feel like, you know, once you have that self-diagnosis and you really think you have it, there's this fear of someone not hearing that or dismissing it in some way. So she, you know, she had done all of her homework and she listed all these things and I recognized all of it in her. I mean, I was like, yep, yep, yep. I totally see that. And then I said, and these are symptoms of ADHD? Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> and yes, and she informed me that she had gotten sort of a TikTok diagnosis. Uh, that's where she sort of first came across it. And then a roommate uh, that they kind of had similar ways that they approach things and a roommate found out she had ADHD. And so anyhow, one thing led to another. And so we kind of talked about her getting tested and that was that. And then we had a second conversation a couple of days later and I had said time to think about this. And I just said, you know, I'm thinking it's possible that I might have ADHD as well. And she said, well, I didn't want to say anything, but I'm pretty sure you have ADHD and here's why. <laughs> and she proceeded to talk about, you know, all the appointments we've missed and been on the wrong day, wrong time, wrong place, you know, hauling them out of school for a doctor's appointment that's next week and, you know, and various things. So she mentioned something which kind of just with a big light bulb, she's like, when you grow up in a family that has ADHD, how do you notice if, if you think everybody's the same way? Because then I thought, Oh my God, my mother completely, like we nicknamed her Hurricane Gladys. I'm pretty sure my brother, you know, so she's like, you know, I thought that everybody always just talked all over each other and interrupted themselves and just, but that's not necessarily how everyone talks or dinner. We just, you know, completely talk all over each other. So anyhow, that made a lot of sense. And so then I pursued my own evaluation. Pretty sure I had it. And I got a recommendation from my therapist for an integrative practice that does assessments. And I had an intake call. And then I did end up having like the whole full-blown, you know, four-hour complete psychological profile testing. And then shortly after that, I had a, a like an hour consultation kind of with the raw data. They actually produced like a multi-page report that takes about three months, but they'll kind of get back to you with what their initial findings were. And so I just remember talking to him and they're a very trauma aware uh, practice. They're integrative. So he was 
very, you know, softly talking about trauma and the trauma spectrum and how it relates to ADHD and whether you had it as a child when you were born or whether there were experiences that, you know, do actually change your brain in, in the same way. And I didn't know where he was going with this. And I just suddenly, I just, I just welled up with tears and I was just like, but I, I don't even remember what I said, but it was a, but, 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 and he, he just said, don't worry. It's okay. I'm going to give you an ADHD diagnosis. And I was just like, so flooded with relief and where he was going with that was really just the more comprehensive way that one can address it, not only with medication, but with therapy and supplements and, you know, all sorts of other things. Endless conversations about ADHD on a podcast. <laughs> I'm like, that's my treatment plan. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Well, it's, I mean, it is a theme, I think, that we explore a lot on this podcast is the theme of trauma, right? And and so many of us have experienced it in our lives, either overtly, either as women, you know, either sexual trauma or or sexist trauma or racial trauma. Like there's so many issues that many of us have experienced, but then also the other sort of small T traumas around living a life undiagnosed, which was all of these ways in which we experience shame for executive dysfunction behaviors. And, and so then it's like a chicken or egg thing. Did the ADHD cause the trauma or did the trauma cause the ADHD? And then really trying to figure all of that out. But it's I don't think it's a coincidence that many of us have a lot of trauma in our past that we have to untangle. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And as a result, too, there's so much overlap with ADHD symptoms, not entirely, but, you know, 80% overlap with anxiety and depression and trauma responses. So it's really, it's really hard to sort out, you know, and in my case, I was going through a lot of therapy and I, I do have anxiety and trauma responses. And so it, it, but everything could be addressed in that context. Yeah. Except for the d executive dysfunctioning, which didn't really come up because it just wasn't something that, I don't know, it just didn't, you know, it wasn't something I brought up. I want to get back to your daughter and so many of us who maybe are a bit older than your daughter who are diagnosed in adulthood get pushback from our parents, like you sort of like what you said, which is, well, everybody's like that, or, you know, that's just our family, or we're just quirky, don't be ridiculous. These are, you know, it's not ADHD, you're just, you know, lazy. And, and I think a lot of that comes from feeling attacked, right, as parents, like, oh, I didn't see this, and I didn't realize this was happening, and I didn't realize you were struggling as much as you were, and so now I feel like I'm a bad parent, and I feel like I'm under attack. Did you feel any of that in her journey or, or how this kind of unfolded? I never felt attacked and I never was inclined at all to question what she was bringing to me. And I, and I fully recognized everything she said. I did feel bad that I didn't know enough to recognize the symptoms because she had a really hard time in high school. And it wasn't until college when you have no structure that you have with a family and you suddenly have to figure it all out on your own. So I think, you know, we had some tears. I, 
when she re- recognizes her diagnosis and she looks back and it's like, if, if only I knew, you know, and I, I wish I had known, but I don't, I didn't feel attacked in any way. And I did the best I could with the knowledge I had. And, you know, she's the one that brought it to me. So I'm just thankful for that. I, cause I would still be oblivious, I think, if she had not brought that forward. Right. Yeah. Um, no, you bring up a good point, which is that you're sort of dealing with the grief doubly, right? Because we, so many of us experience that grief of like, once we are diagnosed well into adulthood of the life we could have lived, or why didn't anybody see the signs or, or why didn't I get the help I needed? Right. But then you also, as a parent, then have to have the, the extra layer of grief of, did I fail, you know, not fail, but like, why didn't I see this in my child or how, how could things have been differently there? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, why did you decide to go with the like full blown diagnostic testing? Was it just, you, you just needed to know? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if it was just extra validation I needed. You know, there's just this, this panic that someone's gonna not, you know, say maybe you don't have it. Like I was, I was scared of just going to my PCP and, you know, just sort of being dismissed or, you know, I think I would doubt it if I just kind of did assessment because I'd already done assessments online and I was like off the charts, you know. So I don't know, it may have been overblown, but I just kind of felt like at the time I needed more confirmation and just to feel solidly because it just, it was so new to me. And, you know, it's a big deal. I was 56. So it's just kind of mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Right. And I think, you know, for me, I just, my diagnosis was from like a half hour conversation with my GP. And one of the things I've talked about was how like, I always feel like I wish I had an official card in my wallet or something that could counteract so much of my own confusion and self-doubt around, do I really have this? And, you know, still years later, I'm like, still, there's these moments where I'm like, I don't know, did I just misconstrue this whole thing? Is this something else? Am I, you know, did I fool my doctor? All of those conversations, you know, all of those thoughts that go through our minds. And, uh, and when my kids, I, so I had my kids for the same, similar to you, when I had my kids tested, I went for like the full, the full gamut. I I wanted to have a lot of that confirmation and validation moving forward with them because there is a part of me that's always like, is this ADHD or is this something else? I think is the question I'm always asking. Yeah, I think I anticipated that I'd have those questions for myself. And so I just kind of wanted to to nip it in the bud. And I, I do feel like I have all this data, if anyone were to ever ask her question, which I don't think anyone will, but I was like, well, let me show you my 10 page report here and read sections, this and this and this, and tell me if you have any questions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I took the more, the the more roundabout route of just delving into it and making it my life's, my life's work. Now I'm like, I, gosh, I hope I actually have ADHD. It would be really embarrassing if I didn't. So a lot of women who are over the age of 50, I think, have the question of like, how is it important to get a diagnosis? Or even their doctor says you've managed this long. What's the point of getting a diagnosis? You seem like you're okay, right? Like you figured out the structures that you need and whatever, like, what's the point of a diagnosis? And I always feel like it's, it's tremendously validating. 
I want to hear from you. Like you've, you mentioned in when you reached out to me that it was life changing. And so I was like, well, what does that mean for you? Yeah, I felt like it's another layer of understanding myself. And I had done so much self-discovery, but there just felt like there was still something off and I didn't know what it was. And so, you know, I was pretty sure this was it. And I, I just really wanted to understand that. And quite honestly, I, I was excited about the prospect of getting some medication to see what that could do. Because, you know, I had a very hard to focus and follow through on anything. And that was what ultimately was such a big change is, is getting on some medication and trying that and having this ability to focus and, and get things done. And it just sort of opened up this world of possibility for me of what, what I'm actually capable of, you know, and I, I'd always had this sense that I wasn't living up to my potential in some way that I just couldn't do certain things. And, and, um, this was just a whole nother level of understanding. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, um, uh, I feel like a common sentiment among adults with ADHD is never feeling like we are grown up <laughs> and figuring out like, what is that about? Like, I think on the one hand, people with ADHD tend to, because we're interest driven, right? We tend to have like a youthful enthusiasm about certain things and, then you combine that with the executive dysfunction and feeling generally kind of terrible about, or, or we're generally not good at quote unquote adult things like budgeting and planning and remembering people's birthdays and that kind of thing. Is that something that you, a theme that you would have said in your own life? Yes, definitely. I have always felt like that I'm not quite grown up and that, yeah, I don't know how to do these things. And how did I raise children? And I still can't do the laundry. And, you know, thank God for automatic bill payment, because that saved my credit score. Yeah, kind of all a sense of what do I want to be when I grow up, which is also something actually, coincidentally, I hear from women over 50 in general. But I think you touched on at least what I was taking from it was um, the idea of like, the, the passion sort of being very almost childlike, you know, with the sort of hyper focus and just getting so excited about a million different things. So yeah, it definitely resonates with me. Right? Yeah. Um, it seems to be something many of us share, which is like, we never got the manual, we never got the grown up manual. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hey friend, if there's one thing I've learned about ADHD over the last few years is that we can thrive with the right combination of accountability, planning, coaching, and peer support. Knowing all this, I set out to create the ultimate all-in-one coaching and accountability community for adults with ADHD or learning disabilities. I knew I couldn't do it alone, so I joined forces with one of my favorite ADHD coaches, Alex Gilbert of Capable Consulting, and together we launched the ADHD Lounge. The lounge was created as a safe place for neurodivergent adults away from other social media, where we offer live group calls, co-working, and body doubling every weekday for accountability, focus, and skill development. We have weekly and monthly goal planning sessions to keep yourself on track. We also have one-on-one -on -one office hours with myself and Alex, and of course, friendship and lots of peer support. We have three different membership levels to meet you where you're at. So if you're looking for an affordable way to stay connected, productive, and accountable, while also having regular access to ADHD coaching and expertise, 
then make sure to come join me in the ADHDlounge.com. Again, that's the ADHDlounge.com. And as a listener of the Women in ADHD podcast, you can get 30% off your first month with the code PODCAST30. So head to the ADHDlounge.com and use the code PODCAST30 to get 30% off your first month. During the early days of my diagnosis, as I was deep into hyper-focus ADHD research mode, I kept searching for some kind of all-in-one, everything you ever needed to know about ADHD and women handbook that I could reference and keep at my fingertips, but I never really found anything that suited me. That's why I've taken everything I've learned about ADHD in women and adults who are socialized as girls, and I've gathered it into a concise, easy-to-access, self-guided, and self-paced course so you can feel like you've got everything you need at your fingertips. It's called, Hey, It's ADHD, and it has everything you need to start loving your brain and living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. I built this course to be helpful wherever you are on your ADHD journey. I am so excited to finally be able to offer this course, and I truly hope this will help you develop a deeper understanding of your ADHD brain and how to embrace it as you build yourself a toolkit for your own life. So head over to womenandadhd.com and click on the Hey, It's ADHD course tab for more information and to get started. And now what I'm curious about the medication part, you, uh, what medication are you on? Is it a stimulant or is it a non-stimulant? What did you end up with? I've been on dextroamphetamine, which is one of two components of Adderall. So it's a little less strong. And it we tried that first because it often tends to have a less of a crash effect mm-hmm. than Adderall. So I've been on that. We just kind of toyed with the dosage, but that's worked really well. I'm sure you're probably aware that there's a, a stimulant supply issue globally. Um, so Adderall has been hard to find for a long time. And, and a lot of the others, dextroamphetamine was fine until just this last time I had to refill. That's totally out of stock now. And the only thing they could get was Adderall extended release. So I'm taking that right now. For, I don't know if I'll stay on that or go back when the supply issue is fixed. But mm, Interesting. Because uh, I, feel, I feel like that's another thing I hear a lot for women over the age of 50, I don't know if it's 50 is just the is just sort of the the cutoff or um, if there's actual physiological reasons, but a lot of doctors for women over the age of 50 will, will discourage um, stimulants, right? And they try to like, root women toward the non stimulant antidepressants and that kind of thing. And and I, I don't know if it's like a physiological reason in terms of cardiac issues, or if there's more of a like, you're probably just a depressed woman. Yeah, sort of dismissive. Who thinks you have ADHD, right? Like that kind of pat on the head, like, yeah, sure, sure, we'll treat your ADHD. And so I, I was curious. Uh, I tried stimulant medication right away, but it didn't work for me. I don't know. I felt like the side effects were a little too too much. I just felt agitated a lot of the time. It didn't. So I loved how quiet my brain was, but I also sort of felt a lot of, I don't know, like just... I was, I couldn't, it was hard to describe it, just sort of like my, just like antsy in my skin and a lot of that stuff that I ended up going off of it. But it's been working so well for my daughter that I was like, maybe I was on too high of a dose. Maybe I should have gone on a lower dose. I don't know. I feel like it's a full-time job trying to figure out medication. Yeah, we have the opposite, uh, actually. So I'm really, it's working for me, but my daughter was like, I can't, it's just too much. She just, she just felt like you just completely agitated. Like her heart was going, you know, and she was just 
just on fire and she just didn't like the way it made her feel. And she also experienced pretty significant crashes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I didn't get any resistance from the psychiatrist's office. Um, and they are an integrative health place as well. So, you know, they're considering everything. They're not just sort of a throw you the medication and talk to you later. You know, they're, and, and they were suggested the stimulant to try it. Um, but I have read, I did read something about maybe over the age of 65. And I, I sort of saw that and then I began to panic, like, what am I going to do then? And I just decided to put that down. I'm going to worry about that later. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe by then I'll be able to, you know, manage without. We'll see. Um, now, it wasn't your diagnosis that prompted the career change, right? This was all kind of happening at the same time. You were already, you had already decided to go through this massive life change. And then you're like, oh, okay, now it makes sense why I'm doing, <laughs> why I'm doing this, right? Yeah, I had, um, I, I knew I needed to make a change. And I just really wasn't sure what I could do. I you have a creative practice, which I kind of thought about trying to do something with that, but I didn't want to, you know, ruin something that I do just for joy uh, and try to monetize it somehow. And that would be a very long game. And, and so um, I just remember just thinking I, I need to make a change partly because of my late in life divorce, my retirement plans have just completely gone out the window. Right. So Whereas I might have been able to stop earlier, now it's it's a longer time frame, and I just thought I can't do this, continue this work for that long. And so I was just thinking, you know, and coaching had come across my radar, and I thought, I wonder if, if there was just someone I could talk to about like my passions and my interests and what I like to do and what's meaningful for me and how I might be able to put something together. And then I just suddenly thought, or I could be that person <laughs> and be that coach and help people like me who've had, you know, maybe similar history and experience and kind of are at this point in life and wondering if they're enjoy what they're doing. Do they feel like it's meaningful? Um, and so I, I was on that path and I signed up for a program, which I just absolutely loved the Holistic Coach Training Institute and was very, I just knew that it was something I was passionate about. But my idea was to kind of do it as a side hustle sort of thing for a while. But once I got the diagnosis and then once I started, was on stimulants, I just, well, two things. One, I realized that I would never be able to really get this off the ground working like I was because I was just so drained and just the time and the energy but really, for the first time, I just had the confidence that, like, I can do this. I can start a business. I can follow through. I mean, there's an excitement to being an entrepreneur. There's a little piece of me that is hoping that this, you know, isn't some flash in the pan passion. <laughs> but I don't think so. It's It's been sustained for a while now. And but it was really just kind of the it was the the confidence kick that allowed me to kind of make that big, huge step. And I, so many things, almost everything in my life had changed, except for this very long time career. I'm maybe in a minority that I'd actually been in the same position for 26 years. 
Well, I think those of us who were who did have steady careers, you can see some of the patterns there in terms of how creative the industry was, if you were able to do different jobs within that, like you can see sort of ways in which there are certain jobs that have built in um, interest, right? And so it's like, yeah, you were in the same industry for or maybe in the same career, but it was like the career itself was was fluid. And, and so I'm guessing you so, say, uh, well, you tell me what were you you were in the commercial furniture industry, right? Right. Commercial interior. So yeah, that's very true. You know, I have a design background. Um, and although I was in a sales capacity, I just worked in these beautiful spaces, just gorgeous. And, you know, we worked with clients on the whole interior package. So it was around textiles and furniture and all this creative stuff. And it, it evolved with different clients and kind of what I did with clients. Um, I worked with the University of Michigan for 20 years, like the campus and the health system. And then I kind of moved into corporate. So there, there was a variety of things I did, but you know, towards the end, I just felt like I wasn't, I wasn't being challenged enough. It just, it, you know, it's that thing with ADHD. It wasn't interesting me anymore. And so I could not focus. I mean, I would, you know, it was the whole breadcrumb thing. I did most, most, a lot of work from home actually. And I would find myself somewhere doing something and then wondering how I got there, what I'm doing. And I kind of go back and trace my steps. And then I finally land myself back at my computer where I'd have an open email with like, clearly I was trying to attach something and I have no idea who I'm emailing, what I was doing, what attachment I was after. Don't even know how I got up from the computer. <laughs> and it was just like torture to, to, you know, make myself do the things. And especially if it was really detailed, you know, if it was really going to take concentration on something that I just, just didn't interest me. It was just <laughs> torture. Oh my goodness. I feel like you just described my morning. <laughs> <laughs> so many times, right, where I like go to open my email and next thing I know, I'm, I'm like, where am I? What was I doing? Yes. <laughs> I have to like rein myself back to the original task. Yeah, yeah, I, that's very relatable. Um, but, you know, it's funny because I feel like this podcast, this job, this, you know, this path I've been on is the longest I've done anything. And so I'm often now curious through the lens of ADHD. I'm like, why is it so fascinating? And why is it so interesting? And I think it's really, it's like you said, it's like that recognizing, if something stops being interesting, I just pivot immediately, right? Or I'm like, Oh, it's time to like, start a new course or something like it's, it's, I've built it into my job now, um, as opposed to all of the times in the past where I had started a job and immediately was like, Oh, God, I'm I've hit a wall and nobody wants to work with me. And this is terrible. And I'm terrible. And I'm a failure, like all those ways in which I was, I would kind of go to that place of negative self talk, as opposed to being like, No, actually, I just need to like, light it find a new find something new to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, coaching feels like a really great uh, career for either not only for people with ADHD in terms of being coached, but then also as a, a career for somebody with ADHD, because it has that built in malleability to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also, you know, combined with the diagnosis and my age, you know, what I find with clients this age is that 
you people begin to wonder if they're doing something that they feel is purposeful, is meaningful. And that's something that I really enjoy about coaching. I feel like I'm doing something meaningful and providing value. And that just becomes, I think, really important as we get older. Mm, yeah, well said. So yeah, let's, I want to hear about who your clients are, because I know you work specifically with women who are over the age of 50, but are really feeling stuck, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Who are some of your ideal clients? I work with women who are over 50, generally, who are starting over in some way that could be literally or just kind of in a sense of identity. So that could be empty nesters um, who maybe have kind of lost themselves in a mom role for 20 plus years. Many people are able to, to be mothers and not have that happen. But I, I know there's there are many women that kind of have lost themselves in that process. Late in life divorcees, um, honestly, people with ADHD, a diagnosis, because that kind of blows your whole self-identity to pieces. You know, it's just a complete reframe, right? And also just, I think in general at this age, people that are kind of feel like, sense that they're kind of on autopilot, that they're just sort of on default and want to pause and kind of reassess. I think there's something about the age of 50 that is kind of kicks in this like sense of time slipping by sense of restlessness and an increasing urgency. And that always makes me think of Brene Brown's quote says like midlife is when God shakes you on the shoulders and said, we're not fucking around anymore. So yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah. Well, and I think also there's sort of a a panic, right? I certainly, I mean, I'm 48, but I have a lot of anxiety about retirement and, you know, what happens when, if my husband dies or leaves me, right? (laughs) Like I have a lot of anxiety around the, how, you know, who's going to take care of me when I'm old and can't take care of myself. Like a lot of fear around loneliness and abandonment that I never, obviously never experienced when I was younger. Yeah. And so I think that plays into a lot of that uh, never feeling like an adult, right? Never sort of feeling like I'm not going to be able to take care of myself much longer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, I've heard a lot of women over 50 say proactively, I wonder what I'm beginning to wonder what I want to be when I grow up. And, And I think that also kind of speaks to the fact, really, that that many women have spent decades taking care of other people. And that, you know, that's a whole nother layer, sort of this, the society and patriarchy and women and and particularly women of our age, my age, who grown up in this culture where, uh, meant to serve. Mm. And that being selfless is something that's put on a pedestal as some sort of saint, but selfless means not having a self. And I think that's a tragedy, not something to be celebrated. So I think that underlies, you know, everything with women in this age group and then coupled with, you know, just this sense of time going by and, you know, do I enjoy what I'm doing? What am I going to do in the future? And is it meaningful? And, and where do I begin? You know, and I think my, I have, 
found that a lot of people are thinking about these things increasingly, but then kind of slip back into autopilot um, and then find themselves in the same place, you know, a year later. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think also uh, this is where the executive function piece comes in for a lot of us, which is we have so much anxiety about the future because we really struggle with planning and we struggle with, you know, organization. And so so, uh, we're experiential learners for the most part. And so I think it can be really difficult to think like, I don't know what my next steps are Uh, and and why talking it out and having a coach or a therapist who can really kind of allow you to sort through the trash, as I like to call it, and kind of like verbally work through, okay, what would my next steps look like? And what, you know, what are those, the planning and the problem solving and the things that we really, really struggle with on our own and why we kind of feel like, oh God, I like, I have all this anxiety because I can't figure out, like, I don't feel any sense of confidence about how I would approach some of these bigger life issues. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. And I I think that there's, um, there's a tendency to kind of have anxiety if you don't know the end point or how to get there and feeling like that, you know, you need to have a plan to get from A to Z versus kind of figuring out how you can take one step towards Z and create a plan, but you don't have to, you don't have to know how to get to Z to start in that direction. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, I think it's kind of coupled with that, that sense that we have to figure it all out on our own. And where there's like, how do we begin to unpack where that comes from? I think, like you said, a lot of it comes from how we're socialized, which is like, we have to figure this out. Um, We've got to, you know, we got to work harder. I just need some time. If I, you know, if I had a couple hours of real focus time, I'd be able to figure this out as opposed to really kind of getting to that point where it's like, no, this isn't something I can figure out on my own. I need help. Yeah. Yeah. Any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids? I know I have. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and app for kids 6 through 18. With Go Henry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their GoHenry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. Set your kids up for success and get started today at GoHenry.com slash WomenADHD. Again, that's GoHenry.com slash WomenADHD. TNCs apply, renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. I'd like to take a moment to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know I am a big proponent of therapy. Therapy provides me the best opportunity for verbal processing, something that is so important for my kind of brain and my sense of self. What I love about BetterHelp is that it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy that's done securely online from the comfort of your home. They assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And it's available for clients worldwide. So you get access to a broad range of expertise that might not be available to you locally. It also tends to be more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. If you visit their website and read their testimonials, there are actually quite a few reviews that specifically reference health 
help with ADHD. As a special offer for listeners of the Women and ADHD podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month. Simply sign up at betterhelp.com slash women ADHD. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash women ADHD. And there's a link in the show notes. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. The other thing I love is that your coaching is called triple moon coaching. Can you tell me a little bit more about the triple moon? Yeah. So I was searching for something that sort of inherently symbolized women because I, that's my, you know, client base and a rebirth, kind of a, a cycle of life in a, in a, in a rebirth. Um, so I looked at all sorts of, I mean, there's so many, you know, flowers and trees and animals and, and so many things. But when I, when I saw the, the meaning of triple moon and the symbol, I just kind of knew that was it. Um, because it represents the, the three phases of the moon represent the three phases of a woman's life from the, the maiden to the mother to the crone, as she's often called, but also matriarch. And I kind of prefer the matriarch word. <laughs> and so I sort of think of my work as being straddling the two, the from mother to, to matriarch and kind of holding the both at the same time. And, you know, and the matriarch serves as sort of a guide of a wisdom for previous selves. And, and then, you know, that's the connection with the lunar cycles to, you know, to women also kind of brought in the spiritual nature because I am a holistic coach. So, you know, I look at the mind, body, and soul as one. We kind of work from the inside out. And so that really just kind of, for me, captured the, the essence of what I'm doing and who I work with. I love with. it. It's such beautiful imagery. And and I, I really love thinking about and embracing the the idea of cyclical energy, cyclical productivity, cyclical progress, right? As opposed to feeling like we are always supposed to be on this upward trajectory, which is, which is, I think, a misconception. <laughs> and so, right, like, I think there's something very organic and like fertile about, about cyclical energy. Yeah. And I think, uh, as you say that, I'm just thinking, there's also, I think, for me, maybe it's something that, that flows well with ADHD, it's cyclical and fluid and, you know, because things that are just very rigid just don't work well. Um, I'm just thinking about planning things and calendars and I don't know, it just, it, it just seems like something more organic like that is, you know, what am I trying to say? Um, is more in line with our, our, our energy. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I think oftentimes we, especially when it comes to energy, like hyper-focus and, and burnout, right? Like it's really, my ADHD diagnosis has really helped me have a lot more grace around when I'm recharging and when I need to just lie around and rest uh, because chances are I was just in a phase of like intense energy. And while I love the intense energy, it's not sustainable. <laughs> and I think sometimes we forget that we need to stop and rest rest. And because we, you know, we feel so alive when we are in our hyper-focus phase and we're like spending, you know, hours and hours and hours building a new website or, you know, creating a new business or something. But at the same time, 
rather than when uh, you want to be doing those things, but you can't get off the couch, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm so much nicer to myself with those phases as agonizing as they can be sometimes to be like, no, this is where you rest. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah, that was one of the big, um, big things of self-compassion for me. It was so liberating to understand the couch paralysis. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that was one of the things that I couldn't just figure out because, you know, I'd have, uh, you know, a list of things to do that I wanted to do. It included things I really wanted to do. But the more time I had, this was even worse on weekends, the more um, pressure I had. And I just soon was paralyzed and just lying on the couch, can't do anything. And then you just beat yourself up. Like, what, what is wrong with me? Why can I not get up off the couch? I don't feel depressed. That was the sort of the missing piece, right? Like, I'm like, I don't feel depressed, but I cannot do anything. And this is ridiculous. And that was just so liberating with the diagnosis to, to understand that and be able to put that in context. Yeah. Right. Because the mystery is solved. And then it's like, then you don't feel you're not constantly going back to that place of what's wrong with me. Right. You're sort of like, oh, okay, I see why this is happening. (laughs) And well, you know, it might not, it might be frustrating. At least there's a sense of like, okay, now I can with the breadcrumbs, right. I can retrace my steps a little bit and figure out how this happened. And then, and then learn, you know, how I can better manage this. Right. Right. Or not, or not, just enjoy binging a new show or something. <laughs> yeah, just lean into it and know that, right. you know, it's part of it and and not fight it and not beat yourself up over it and just yeah. go with the flow. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I use that analogy to the, the riding the wave and riding the current a lot more than I used to. Now, one thing you uh, you talk about, too, with, your, with coaching is uh, the right brain exploration and kind of really like leaning into and fostering some of that right brain creativity. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that is and and how that works? Yeah, I just, um, I kind of fold in my artistic background with the holistic approach to kind of have this creative framework where, you know, there's a number of right brain activities that we can do. um, And that's tailored to kind of the specific, unique, you know, ways that a client may learn, whether they're kind of visual or, um, you know, like to write or, or, you know, so there's a number of ways you can kind of tap into the right brain, but it allows us to get beyond thinking, to get beyond overthinking and, and just trying to figure something out in our head and kind of access this sort of, um, nonverbal genius and kind of getting to, to your soul. And, and that's also ties into the holistic piece that, you know, we say we, we want to, you know, help women fi- get their souls and their goals. Um, but so, and when, when you can work with the right brain and left brain together, you, you're able to make new connections and kind of come up with solutions in ways that you're not really able to get to with just the staying in like the left brain analytical side. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. And it also kind of lends to the same idea that we were talking about of like having a guide, having a coach, having somebody who can kind of get you through some of this stuff that we might not be able to do on our own because we get trapped in that just 
do it. Just try harder. Just think harder. I think you said that on your website, just thinking harder. And I was like, oh yeah, I feel that. (laughs) I come across that right so many times. I'm like, I just need to figure this out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. uh, So this kind of lets you loosen up a little bit and, you know, and and people don't have to be creative at all to benefit from this. You know, there's exercises and, um, you know, well, first of all, everybody's creative. Anyhow, a lot of people believe that they're not. Everybody is creative. Some people I think are scared off by that. And it's, it's not like a third grade art class where you're going to draw your tree wrong and be shamed forever. So Mm -hmm. there's no no wrong way to do it. I love that. Um, So now looking back through this lens, what would you say you love about your ADHD? Um, I love the, the multi-passionate part of it. I mean, I, it's just so fascinating to be involved in so many things and learn so many things. And I love talking to people with ADHD. With, and I think we're also drawn to each other because of the conversations we can have. Um, and, you know, it just, it, it means that there's this continual need or passion to keep learning. So I love to learn. I think we all do. And I think also that's really good for the brain, you know, for longevity and holding off dementia. So there's, there's great benefits too, but I'd say that's probably my, my favorite thing. I I do really like it when I'm in hyper-focus other than just the passionate part, but just, I don't know, feeling super productive and just being able to, you know, I don't know, blow through a list of 25 things in half an hour and feel like you're on top of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Right. Uh, All it's like all plates spinning, all guns firing. And yeah, it it does feel good. It does feel good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now I'd love to ask the question about whether you would, if you could rename ADHD to something else, have you thought about what you would call it? I have thought about that. What did I, I think it was, um, I think it was like euphoric selective attention discord or dissonance. Ooh, okay. So it's like, I was kind of coming from the angle of like, you know, if you've, as you've said many times, it's not really attention deficit at all. It's the kind of the hyper-focus and and so it was kind of getting around the piece that we can focus on, really focus on something as long as we're interested in it, you know, and then with the hyper focus. So it's sort of like euphoric selective attention, but then there's this discord because it's not very practical, right? Like if you can only focus on the things that you're super passionate about, then you, then you get to the executive dysfunctioning problems. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I li- I really like the name discord because we, you know, we've talked about how disorder feels uh, a little too clinical. Um, but at the same time, like it really can be quite debilitating. And so syndrome doesn't feel debilitating enough. <laughs> and so, but yeah, discord sort of really gets to the heart of like, well, there's a dysregulation there. It's like, it's not, I'm not, it's not acting in a way that I feel like I have control over or that is necessarily always positive. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. That's what I was, yeah, I kind of played around with a bunch of words and that's kind of exactly how I landed on that. Or dissonance was kind of similar, but yeah, disorder sounds just so medical, clinical, negative. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm curious, how is your daughter doing in terms of her diagnosis and college? Cause I know that's a really, really difficult time for a lot of us, <laughs> at least for me, it was. Yeah, she's, um, she's doing, she's doing well. She's, um, in Spain right now on a semester abroad. So, um, she, you know, it's a completely new environment, um, I think she has some medication with her, but she's not taking it. And so the way she's managing it right now, I think, is if she really needs to get something done and she cannot focus and she just, you know, can't do it, she might take an Adderall so that she could focus and just knock something out. Um, but so she's kind of using it more as an as need basis and going to regular therapy and um, taking fish oil supplements and, you know, and on the adventure of a lifetime. So that's like, <laughs> that's gotta be exciting. Yeah. That's awesome. Is it just the one daughter? I have an older daughter, um, who's in Portugal right now, actually in graduate school. Wow. So. <laughs> okay. Um, gosh, I love Portugal. Okay. Uh, and so yeah. what about your other daughter? Is, that, is she curious or, or is it, or is she very clearly neurotypical or? I, um, I don't think she has ADHD. Um, both of, both my kids have anxiety, which, uh, you know, which is not surprising. My mother has generalized anxiety or disorder. I think I do as well. So, but she doesn't, you know, cause I've gone back through the filter of what I know now really and gone back. And I don't, I don't see that in her. And she's aware of it now, too. I mean, she knows now what the, the symptoms are that we've discovered, and she doesn't resonate with it. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. So interesting, right? Going through our family trees and <laughs> trying to figure out where everybody sits on this on this spectrum. Yeah, yeah. My mother's definitely so incredibly ADHD. It's, it's fascinating to think back to my childhood. Like, I just right? have visions of, like, the kitchen, like you would go down and she'd have like spoons all over the place, like on the counter. And I just envisioned so clearly, like having a, a damp paper towel that she's wadded up. That's like, she starts to wipe up some coffee grounds and like maybe a little bit of spaghetti sauce. And then it sits in the middle of the, in the counter just to be forgotten. You know, that was just very regular and, and talking with a, a knife, you know, while the burners on the stove with nothing on it and just gesticulating with the chef's knife. And yeah, she was Hurricane Gladys. Well, I feel like, you know, I feel like I talk so much about domesticity and women and some of the really difficult struggles, you know, so many of the things that we struggle with are, are things that we have to do with running a household, right? And as women, a lot of that falls to us. And then I'm like, can you imagine having ADHD and being a, a mother in like the 60s, or even earlier, where it was like, your whole, you know, so much more of your life and worth was tied up in a lot of this crap that we all hate. <laughs> like it got... Um, yeah, my, I'm like, God, they, I have it much better than my parents' generation in terms of what women had to face and, and make their lives, you know, had to 
uh, whatever the word I'm looking for, just like had to be so central to their identity. Yeah, I I really have compassion for my mom when I think back to it, because she was a mother in the 60s. She was an only child. She really had no domestic history whatsoever. She came from, she was a dancer, studied with Martha Graham, and she came from living in Manhattan in the 50s. And then suddenly somehow was an academic wife, you know, with two kids. She choreographed through my brother's pregnancy, and then she would stay at home. and. You know, my father grew up in the Midwest, was expecting pies and all this stuff. And like, she just hated to bake and, you know, <laughs> completely had ADHD and just, you know, flour all over the place. Like we just knew, like, just do not go in the kitchen when mom's in the kitchen. Like, just stay clear. And yeah, it must have been just, just horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And And so challenging. Yeah. My mother, I can't decide. My mother had passed before my diagnosis. So this, my journey, and like, I so badly want to go back and talk to her about this because sometimes I'm like, God, you, she must have. But, you know, a lot of it I chalked up to her just being a feminist who was really dissatisfied with mother, you know, with stay at home motherhood. And she always was like had side hustles and always had a, you know, was working on a career and she put herself through college after she put all of us through university. And so it was like all of these things that I see in her where I'm like, wait, is that ADHD or was she just like a dissatisfied mom? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, well, maybe that's maybe that's all it was. But yeah, maybe both. Right? Probably. Probably. So now I I love this idea of just reinvention. Um, And because you're right, it's, I feel like that's so I mean, that's what we talk about on this podcast, which is like, it is such a profound rearticulation of who we are in this world when we get this diagnosis. And it's really difficult to explain to other people who don't understand or or have gone through this, right? And that's often our partners or our family members. It can feel very lonely a lot of the time when we're not talking to each other and finding each other. Uh, So I love your approach in terms of just like recognizing that there is this sense of rebirth, um, that it's not just about like, oh, well, you know, this is this is the rest of my life now. I guess I'm trapped here. Yeah, it's really a complete reframe of your entire life from whenever you get diagnosed to just, yeah, complete reframe and. And now with this information, what do you do with it? What is What does that open up for you? And you can't fix it, but just knowing that you have it and, and, and having the understanding and just goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With help. Always with help. <laughs> with, with help. Absolutely. Yes. You definitely best to have support. Yeah. Um, well, congratulations on this new venture and coaching. I think it's a real, it's a wonderful endeavor. And I think it's, I'm obviously a big fan of coaching and I think it's so important. So uh, how can, how can people find you and reach out to you and work with you? Uh, well, I have a website, which is uh triplemooncoach.com and it's coach, not coaching uh, because that domain was not available. So triplemooncoach.com. And then I'm also on Instagram at uh, triplemoon underscore coaching. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. Those are kind of the platforms I'm using. There's, you know, a lot of information on the website and ways to to book a discovery call. 
So right now I'm also offering kind of a complimentary combination discovery call where we can talk about coaching, what it is, what it isn't, answer any questions they may have, get to know each other a little bit, see if it's a good fit. And if so, talk about what the programs are, but also including a 30-minute coaching session so that someone's able to experience that as well. So that can be booked um, either on my website or um, there's a link tree in my Instagram or in my Instagram highlights under work with me. Awesome. It is a beautiful website, by the way. Kudos to your designer. It's just gorgeous. I really enjoyed it. And it feels like it's almost like I just really liked the journey of going through your your website and reading all the things about you. And I and I'm like, usually I have no attention for span for copy on websites. Usually I'm like, get to the point, get to the point. But it's like, really, it was very beautiful and lovely. And I uh, really enjoyed it. Was like a, it was like an experience, like a narrative experience. Thank you. I appreciate the feedback. And I, I could not be happier this um I worked with this woman named Lise, L-I-I-S. She's with her own company. She's an entrepreneur at Sparkle Creative Studio. Mm -hmm. uh, if anyone is looking for branding or a website, highly recommend. She's just a uh, joy to work with and really responsive and so creative. She's just brilliant. Um, so I, I could not be more happy with the site. Yeah. She's great. Yeah, I know. I definitely was like, oh, I went down and looked at some of her other work, too, because I was like, oh, she she checks a lot of boxes. Um, yeah. OK, good shout out to Lise. Wonderful. OK, well, thank you so much, Susan. I'm just uh, I really enjoyed your listening to your perspective. I feel like um, we kind of touched on a lot of the topics that are specific to this late in life, mature diagnosis experience that many, <laughs> that I certainly felt like I had and, and, you know, what kind of makes it feel different when you're diagnosed this late in life, as opposed to say in your twenties, but at the same time, how important it can be, right. Uh, to, to really follow that diagnosis and not just listen to your doctor if they're like, eh, it's what maybe it is, maybe it isn't who cares. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that it's so common now to have late diagnosis diagnoses. I think there's so many women that are midlife and above that are undiagnosed. Um, and I know for me, like I didn't know anything about it because there's just this association with boys that can't sit in their chairs. You know, there's, I don't think it's widespread knowledge of the way that it can present in women and in adult women and, and what that means. So I just think there's as the awareness is growing, I think more and more people, you know, in, in midlife are, are getting diagnosed at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And connecting the dots. But also, I think there's something about midlife that is one of the developmental like catalysts for a diagnosis, because we're coming at this, the a lot of these stages, like you said, of the like, the what's next, and I feel like I don't have focus and you know, all of those things that really br bring up the the ADHD traits more than they might in other in other aspects of, you know in other phases of our life so yeah mm -hmm. yeah for sure awesome well thank you I appreciate you having me on so much it was a pleasure to talk to you and thanks for letting me share my story I just love your podcast and will continue to binge listen to it so really appreciate it ah. Uh... Well, thank you, Susan. It's been a real pleasure.
And there you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. If you're a fan of the podcast, please take a moment to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible. And if that feels like too much and I get it, then just take a few seconds right now to give me a five-star rating or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this gift of neurodivergency. And they may still be struggling and don't even know why. And if you'd like to find out more about me and my one-on-one coaching for women with ADHD, head over to womenandadhd.com coaching. And you can always find that link in the show notes. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who discovered that she is not lazy or crazy or broken, but she has ADHD and she is now on the path to understanding her neurodiversity and finally using this gift to her advantage. Take care till then.